This week's episode of the Screenwriter's Rant Room is brought to you by avgearguy.com. If you have any photos or documents that you need to scan or videotapes or audio tapes or film rolls that you need to import into your computer, check out avgearguy.com. If you mention the name of this podcast, when you order, you'll get 5% off and a portion of your order will go to help support the rant room. All these formats degrade over time and are sitting ducks in the case of fire or theft. Why not convert it all to digital? All of your memories could be stored safely on the cloud or on a hard drive that fits in your pocket. AVGearGuy.com has over 30 years of experience with all kinds of media, digital and analog, and they can accept orders from anywhere in the United States. Don't forget to mention the Screenwriter's Rant Room and get 5% off your order. For more details, visit their website at avgearguy.com. I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Rant Room Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind in the business, got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerds got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hillier Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, everybody? It, it is. is. What it is. What it is. What it is. Yeah, we had to change it, Kurt, because every year is some shit going down, you know what I mean? So we can't even be light right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know how we do it on the Rant Room. On the show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture. But our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. So you hear my girl Lisa Bolakaz is in the house. Yes, the original, the original L Boogie. Yes, yeah, 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 Lauren Hill. Shafif <laughs> 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 me, exactly. Shafif me back in the day. Yes, I'm just sitting here sipping on my Coca Cola and my Doritos and trying to stay <laughs> trying to stay cool. It's really hot down here um, in San Diego, so. And I'm not too far from the border. I'm like literally like nine minutes from the border. So it's like we have like stagnant weather right now. So it's like hot, but there's no breeze. So you walk outside and you just kind of like want to pass out in a, in a soup of your own sweat, as I should say. <laughs> so, yes, yes. Yeah, terrible. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. And then we got my man, Chris Derrick, in the house. What's up, Chris? How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm doing uh, just uh, watching a lot of horror movies. You? I got asked to work on something for some. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. At Blumhouse, so right. I got to get something over to them today. But you know, I, but but you know, there's this show. You've mm-hmm. seen this show? It's called The Kingdom. Yeah, of course. Well, yes, zombie yes. movie. Yes, yes. Um, yes. So, so I watched around. Kurt, Kurt, are you on that one? The Kingdom? No, I haven't watched. Uh, okay. Do you, like, okay. do you watch? It's do you so watch? Dope. Do you watch horror, Kurt? Are you into horror? Oh yeah, I watch a lot of horror. Oh yeah, you're like the king. You're like like this. You'll like it. You like it. But but this is why I like this show, and it's kind of telling me 
discussion that Lisa and I have been having for a while now about like why we like to watch these foreign shows like over the U.S. shows. Mm-hmm. It's not overproduced at all. It's not overly graded with the color grading. It's very well produced. But what's interesting about it when I was watching, because I watched the pilot about a year ago, not a year ago, but oh, a while ago, at least six months ago, and now I started watching the next five episodes. The, the, the filmmaking grammar that they use to shoot their television shows mm-hmm. is slightly different than ours, and it's interesting. Well, they feel like movies, too. Well, it feels like interesting, but, but in, in terms of the way that they come out of scenes, that the shots they use to come out of scenes, mm-hmm. shots they use to go into scenes, they, there's slight <laughs> differences in a way that keeps you a little on edge, because it's like, oh, wait a minute, I'm expecting this shot for, you know, it's, 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 it's really, really well done. The scripting is amazing. It's really fucking, it's so well scripted. Um, I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, if the story is strong as shit, you don't need all these kind of like this craziness. Yeah. You know, you know, because I, cause I, turned, I turned on Stranger Things the third season afterwards, and I was like, what is all this? They just, just like, it's so overproduced, it's not even funny. And I just, it's just, it's something I've been noticing more and more about like, like what makes these, these foreign shows um, different, unique, and just the way they tell their stories, which I think you know, which, which can help us. Yeah, well, there's not a lot. There's not a lot of hand waving, and they are not afraid to just just trust their characters to just do the work. They don't have to have all this extra razzle dazzle. It's just tell that straight story. You haven't finished watching the entire series yet, of Kingdom. I didn't have time. Got, what? Got limited time. Got limited what time. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Oh my god! All right, you have to talk when you finish it because I am still sitting here waiting for the next season, and I'm devastated that there's not like they don't already have everything already produced and done and ready for me. Well, anyway, well, I'm excited, you guys, because we finally got Kirk on here because you know we all follow each other on Twitter, and Kirk is like hilarious on Twitter. And Kirk, I didn't know how extensive your writing resume is, and it wasn't until I saw the Deadline article. Because I know you have the new show that's going to be coming out pretty soon that I hope you're going to be able to talk about. I can I can do a little talking, yes. What you, okay, just whatever you can give us. Because as soon as I saw it, I said, oh my God, that's like the kind of stuff I want. And then I was like, wait a minute, that's Kirk Kirk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, I would have had this in meeting in my office, but my board has all of my secrets. Uh, for, so I couldn't so I couldn't do it in there. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. Oh, um, well, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Hillier. Go ahead. He's actually on mute, right? He, he's actually on mute right now. For oh, sure. okay. For so, sure yeah. So, uh, what, what two things? So, so, Kurt. So, so, so now you get ready to ask a question about the kingdom. Oh, okay. I mean, I was more so. I mean, I watch a lot of BBC. Mm-hmm. I love BBC crime dramas. Yes. I can't get enough. Um, I really do. Um, And I love sort of like the the crime drama sort of soapy hybrid that they do. Yes. Yes. Like there's a show called The Five Mm -hmm. that like I just zoomed through. Um, There was another show. I can't think of these names. Um, But it's... It's interesting in the way that they just kind of they're able to just let stories unfold. Yes. Right. Yes. In a way that sometimes we don't mm-hmm. get those opportunities because we do tend to have to 
spell things out. Um, unfortunately, I think that I don't know if it's that networks and studios aren't trusting of the audience or networks and studios are like half of this country voted for Trump. So they actually need explaining. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? Yes. It's like, yes, people need some people need to be handheld a little because they just don't get it, unfortunately. Mm. You know what I mean? But it is fun to watch stuff like, like I said, I can, I'm, um, have you all seen Happy Valley? Yes. Yes. Like, I mean, amazing not, film. not a fun show, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. just the crime element, the family element, like they just get it all right. 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 And, um, and so I... Go ahead. Well, this is, it's, 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 I think I think the point that you made is a great point is that the handhelding is that what I noticed watching the kingdom, because you know it's in Korean, so I'm so I'm reading the subtitles, is that they don't do like these scene recaps. They're not like there's there's so much like recapping of the story that characters are telling other characters that I think that 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 you said the networks have to they make us do for the audience. That's not what they're doing over there. And I yeah. think that, that that gives them the freedom to do more in the scenes, yeah. you know? And I think that part of it is like, I mean, if you're great with subtext, I mean, and, you know, as a writer, you try to get better and better and better at that, then you can put the subtext underneath so it doesn't feel so didactic or preachy or... Well, didn't you just say this last scene, but just right, in a right. different way? Right, and right, so right. I really try to like focus on that. Sometimes it works. Sometimes they like, listen, it needs to be spelled out. And you just got to be like, but, you know, and, you know, it is it, the compromise is the compromise. And, you know, you you don't you don't want to have to do it, especially if it sacrifices what you know, what you, what the story that you want to tell, but at the same time, yeah, I would kind of love that freedom. It feels, it feels nice. But, but with those shows, typically they only have one writer also. Right, right. Very few, very few. Hillary, is the sound on or are you, are you back? No? No, 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 um, so, so here, let's we didn't we're gonna start jibber jabbing. Okay, let's have you go ahead and introduce who we're talking to because you know we start talking and chopping it up. It's like, so, wait a minute, we need to tell people. We need to tell like, people who we talking to. That's why we you call know? it the rent room. We just we go in. <laughs> so, yeah, so let me introduce you guys. If you guys are grown, let's get on into the show. So today we got my dude on the show, Chris and I. We love this dude. Lisa loves this dude. Um, Kirk A. Moore, writer, producer himself. Big time series creator now. You got to add that to it. I love it. Dude, you have no idea how proud the whole community is of you right now. I have no idea. I I mean, listen, I, I just, I always say I am just literally like a little country dude from Houston. And this is like... <laughs> With a, big, with a big mouth and uh, and this has been like this past week has been like surreal like I was like whoa um, <clears throat> and I've been we've been working on it I've been working on it for 
about six months getting it to where it needed to be um, so that that announcement could be made and they feel comfortable Mm -hmm. saying we're working with them. So I've been working on it for a little bit, trying to figure out what was the best way to tell this story. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I talk about it sometimes, but I used to work for a psychic company. Oh, really? Yeah. So, but... The day before I started on American Crime, I quit the psychic company and started on American Crime. <laughs> That's how it's supposed to be, though. That's hilarious. That's how it's supposed to be. I can Let's... see my future. Okay. So I, I worked for a, a phone psychic company, and I worked in. <clears throat> was that here? Or was he, that back in, in here? LA. Okay. It's right down the street. It's right next door to ABC. Literally, it's right next door. I was like, oh, I can just, I just got to drive one light over. It's, (laughs) it's, um, it's in the building with DC Comics, Fremantle, that big black building on Alameda. Yeah. Um, There is a company called Outlook Amusements or California Psychics, and it's a telephone psychic center. Um, I started out there because I was very, very broke and I was sleeping on my best friend's sofa and he was a manager there and he was like, you want to work there? And I was like, I don't know about working with (laughs) I started working there in customer service and then I got promoted to psychic management. That's hilarious. (laughs) You went up to crew chief. <laughs> this sounds like I know what it sounds, it sounds like, like a TV show. Actually, I know. That's it's a TV show, but it sounds like um, what was that movie? The boots. The the uh, uh, sorry to bother you. Yeah, it sounds a little yeah. bit like yeah. sorry to bother yeah. you. Yeah. 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 So I get promoted to psychic management and that and there you deal specifically with the psychics. So I had to hire them, do mock readings, make sure they didn't violate California law. Um, I had to write their bios, market them, all that stuff. So you just learn. So I just learned a whole bunch about people that I knew nothing about. Um, (laughs) How, How long were you there? For two, two and a half years. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and so that was sort of, and when I would be in meetings, you know, there I was like, well, what did you do before? You know, you started writing. And I was like, well, I worked at a psychic company. And they're like, what? <laughs> you know? so, they lean in, they lean you come, in. You come, yeah. you, come, you come in with a good personal story. It's like, what? Right. <laughs> so, you know, and, and, I, and I talked about this the other day because when I was... I I, w- I got into the um, NBC Writers on the Verge program in 2014. Yeah. Um, but the two years before that, I had applied. I was a finalist both years, okay, but okay. I didn't get in. And I remember at the ABC one, you know, it, there were a lot of people who were assistants and mm-hmm. script coordinator, you know, like all I'll that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're like, oh, what do you do? And I was like, I was so embarrassed to be like, well, like I work at a psyche company um, <laughs> and, and, I, and I didn't want to talk about it. But what I didn't realize mm-hmm. is that like now, That's like having, 
having meetings like that weird shit, people That's like superpower. Yeah. They yep. gravitate toward that. They're like, what writer has worked at a psychic company? You know? And not only that, but you went into psychic management. What are you talking about? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know. You, okay. I know. Okay. I hope you're recruiting psychics. <laughs> Let me tell you how I bring people into the fold. Let's <laughs> see if they're any good. Can they tell me oh, my wait, future wait, first? Oh, wait, wait, wait. And do you be talking? <laughs> wait, do you be talking to them? All of a sudden, you put your finger up to your head, like, "Hold on, I'm, I'm receiving something." <laughs> it is. It is a very interesting world in the way that it's run, the types of people who either are or believe that they are psychics. Um, It is, you know, like I I said about my show, um, when I pitched it, I said that this is a show that is based around hope and manipulation and the things in between. Because... Sounds like America. (laughs) (laughs) you know because it's like i you know i worked at the company that i worked for there were 400 psychics wow in america australia the uk canada and somewhere else i think um but like do but do i believe that all of them are psychics or all of that i for me, what I looked for, because I worked in customer service, is that I saw that a lot of people weren't calling about what's happening tomorrow. Mm-hmm. They weren't calling about, you know, what is my future? They were calling about, does he love me? Right. Is she interested in me? Right. Like, the majority of our calls were love and relationship calls. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, sure. or it would be people who have told everybody in their entire circle the same story mm-hmm. and don't nobody want to hear no more. So <laughs> nobody can pay for it. Right. So like, I mean, there, it's a very, very, you know, interesting world and, you know, and I'm happy that it, you know, things going well, that it will be, you know, my first thing that I've done, you know. What's the show called? It's called free will. It's called free will. Free will right. Here's yeah. the thing that I love, Kirk, is um, and Chris and I and Lisa talk about this all the time. And I think I think all of our careers turn when we finally noticed it. Is that thing that was your weakness, like you were saying before, actually is your strength. And I tell this yeah. to emerging writers all the time that that weird job you did over there is actually something you should be telling people about. You know, that weird, that weird neighborhood you grew up in, that strange, you know, uh, story of you going over to Germany and this weird shit happened is the thing you should be telling people. You know what I mean? But people are like, oh, I don't want people to know that my father was an alcoholic. It's like, if it's in a cool way, tell it. And and also, if you want to be a writer, like, you're going to have to talk about that anyway. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to be in a room with people and if you're trying to contribute to story and sometimes people you know will blow off your pitch but a lot but if it's based in your actual right it's based in your experience then that's hard to you know to to brush off so like yeah i mean i've had a ton of crazy jobs and 
you know, feel like I've lived a few lives, but like those things are important because like you want to be able to separate yourself from other writers because yes, we all write, but we write different things for different reasons based on the experiences that we've had. So, well, see, well, well look, that's the thing that if you're people feel like they're not tapping into themselves when they write. I think a lot of times people read stuff when they're growing up that doesn't feel like it's from someone's life or they see these shows and don't know how someone was able to take their personal story and infuse it into the, like the show we're seeing on the air, because that's the part of like, that's the part of the craft that's under the hood that, Mm -hmm. that people that, the 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 media stuff doesn't talk about. You have to learn that out here to get to to get jobs. But you know, but the but if, if there's a profile on Vanity Fair about someone, or you're gonna read about someone you love from before, they're not talking about that shit. Um, I mean, some people do. I, I always remember this story that Billy Wilder used to tell when just like when he was in Vienna just after World War One. He used to he, he used to be a a, a da- he used to be a dancer because the women who lost all their husbands in the war they still wanted to dance with men and they would go and they would do these little clubs and they would just pay men to dance and he did that when he was like nineteen or twenty stuff like that and he'd hear women talk to him, these older women talk to him and it was and it helped kind of inform his movies later on you know right, but that's such an right. interesting story exactly. that I was like oh like. Who would ever think that you did that? Because we, we we see you when you're doing Wilder. You've done the apartment and you've done all this kind of cool ass shit exactly. since the boulevard. But he makes that work because of what his real life is. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and again, it's like a lot of times, like you said, like with the industry stuff, like you only get the I made it. Here we go. This is what I did or this is what I had to do. But at the same time, I mean, it's why I like to read um, the autobiographies of Mm -hmm. a lot of these writers or their biographies because they get very, very specific. And Charles Murray, hey, Charles. That's up. Main ones who was like, you know, and he's been, he had been telling me this for years. Like, read those bios, like, read those autobiographies because then that's when these men who have been, or women, whoever have been doing this, these writers and directors who've been doing this shit for years, like, they have nothing to lose now. So they like, I'm going to talk about this shit and how they tried to steal my script or they tried to, you know, push me off of my project that ended up being a classic. So you see, you get to see those things and you read about them and you're like, okay, it's, it's hard. It's hard for everybody. And it's harder for some of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny because I was um, <clears throat> I was telling Chris and Lisa the other day that I was I was called, you know, after we put out the Dear Hollywood letter, you know, I was called by um, some of the people from the showrunners program because they were about to do that one day event that they do. And they wanted to get my advice on what they should do going forward. The first thing I said was, well, who's black is in the room to talk about this in the first place and they were like 
oh, no, well, we're going to, you know, we just wanted to get thoughts from you and then we elaborate. And I said, well, what happens when they start asking questions you can't answer? And they were like, uh, well, it'll, it'll be a fast little moment. You know, they start whittling and wilding around. But I went down this whole list. They took two pages of notes from me, right? And one of the things I said, this, tie, this ties into what you guys are talking about. One of the things I said was, um, stop assuming that every black staff writer has no experience. All yeah. they did was write a script. I said, you have to realize that most of us today in 2020 have already shot short films, web series. We've managed 30 people on a set. We are already co-producers. Yes. By the time we get on your show, you know what I mean? The only thing that people lack is the experience of the room. Because you know, Kirk, you've been on shows. I bet you half the people in there haven't even been to set yet. And they fucking producers and shit. They have no experience on the set. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can tell you from the show that I was on, the co-EPs were, I was way past them. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so what I'm saying is, and I said, I said, to me, you guys don't spend enough time interviewing people. All you do is go, oh, we need a staff writer. This is a good script. Let me talk to them for a few minutes. Yeah, they'll work. I'm cool with them. You know what I mean? Instead right. of learning who they are and getting a sense of what their real background is, you just go, I just needed somebody to give me some pitches. I just need a staff right. writer. You know and what I mean? Which, and what that does is it makes them e it makes it easier for them to get rid of us. Oh, exactly. So, and that is the thing. It's like you and you came to my little uh, barbecue oh, yeah. thing. You like, and, Chris and, I came. and and my feeling and and I'm COVID whatever, I would love to be able to do another one because the way that I feel is that when you get to know somebody personally, right, right. especially before you read them, it just, it. I just feel like it does something. It makes the connection stronger. Well, you're more excited about reading it too. Exactly. Or if they've read you and they like you and then they see you in a setting where you can be yourself, you're like, oh, of course this person should be in the room. And on and on to something else that 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 you that you said that sparked something. Like it makes it easier for them to get rid of us and also it makes it easier for them to dismiss when we make mistakes. And the thing is, this is TV, this film, it changes every damn day so we have to have the latitude to make mistakes right because there are many people who i've seen make a gazillion mistakes and fell up yep. but yet at the same time it's like we it was like we we were supposed to come there with on the job training mm -hmm. and know everything that we're supposed to and not supposed to do Exactly. That's not fair. Right. Like, my first time in a writer's room was the day after Memorial Day when I got hired. <laughs> I had never been in a writer's room. Right. I, so, you know, I sat down the first couple of days, just sort of watched how people pitched and whatever. And, you know, and John, John Ridley was like, hey, we want your ideas. Mm -hmm. Pitch, say what you want. Do what you want. There's no hierarchy in this room. And in that season, we were doing sexual assault. 
Um, he said, he said, and I was the only, you know, gay writer in the room. Right. So it was like, well, I definitely need to speak up because I want to make sure that what we're showing with these teenagers, especially mm -hmm. something that is relatable, is something that can I can inform through my experience. And right. then it also makes you that more useful to the room. And mm -hmm. so you know, people are like, well, I don't want to reveal this about myself and I don't want to reveal that. Mm -hmm. And I was one of those people. My first two times trying to get into those fellowship programs, my interviews were terrible. Mm -hmm. I, <laughs> I love this. I love this. Yes. Terrible. Tell them, tell them, Kurt. Tell them, Kurt. Yes, tell them. I didn't want to talk about my personal life. Mm -hmm. um, my ex and I were in a relationship for 11 years. I had just broken up. And I didn't really talk about my sexuality like that, just mm -hmm. in general. And so I'm like, I'm not telling Karen Horn. But at the same time, it made me look, um, it made me look like I wasn't ready. Right. Like if you're in a room, and of course, you don't want to be telling all your business in the room, mm -hmm. but there's a way for you to, especially when pitching, to use your story as a way to get on the board. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And as a way, and so I, I it, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting I, thing. I have a suggestion that I always tell young, younger writers is, even if it's not true, if you take a story, a pitch back to your childhood, it sounds like you have more ideas, right? So if you say, dude, I remember when I was like six, my father had this thing and he did blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? What right. if the character of John did something similar and we did this thing? If you just take it back to something, it sounds like, well, there must be more ideas around that. Yeah, you know yeah what I mean? exactly. I mean, and, and, and with that, and it's just like just being very confident in the stories that you're telling, especially yeah. if they're real, like. I don't even know what what reason we were talking about um, Louisiana and stuff in the Runaways room, but we were, I talked about my grandfather because my grandfather was able to pass, okay. and he was he was eventually once he married a black woman, and then they basically just arrested him for public intoxication when yeah. he was drunk because now they knew that he wasn't an actual white person. Mm. And, and I was like, yeah. And I was like, my grandfather's name was General George Washington. And they were like, what? No way. No. I was like, yeah. I was like but we used to call him Mr. Whitehead because, I mean, he was, he was white for all we knew. Okay. So, and they were like, your grandfather was named he was like his first name was general i was mm -hmm. like yes That's so hilarious. i went and i went on ancestry.com i was like here is my big daddy and <laughs> <then> you, know, <laughs> you know that's country, country okay. got big mama and big daddy over <laughs> <Okay>. here yeah <laughs> big mom and big daddy so i'm like this is my big daddy and right there yeah, it was general <laughs> General George Washington, aka Mr. Whitehead. Wow. That is how he was. That is how he is listed in the newspaper when he, he passed away. 
Mm. <laughs> That's wild. That's mm. wild. That's wild, though, man. It's interesting you say that about the, um, you know, once he married the black woman, he was he got arrested because I know that my mom's grandmother, she was white, but she married a, a, a guy from North Africa and she had to then change her race to being colored on mm-hmm. the marriage certificate. Because, because like they weren't allowed to, you know, like it was in Kentucky and they were like, that's not happening. You can't be white and marry someone who's not white. Mm-hmm. Uh, because because her birth certificate says she's white. Right. And exactly. It's, cra- it's crazy. I mean, like the shit in this and these stories you hear, the stories you hear in your family and shit like that. I, you know, like, like I mean, when I, when I was younger, I used to be like, I don't know if I can tell that story. You know? <laughs> But 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 now you have to because it informs who you are and it informs like how you see the world and how you see certain situations and there's certain things that are gonna happen to you because of something like that 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 are not gonna happen to somebody else you know like right. the, like like, the, like your family might get a different kind of treatment or right. or, or, or crazy ass stuff you know so right um, I mean yeah. And- it's, and and just off of what you're saying, um, Derek, like, and sorry, Christopher, but like off what you're saying, Chris, for me is like, it, it's why I well I haven't been as vocal because I just have been kind of tired. But like, whoa, 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 whoa! When have you never been vocal about anything? What you talking about? I would say as been as vocal. You didn't say you Okay. Okay. I haven't been as vocal about the WGA thing, right. and this is something that I want people to understand. And when get I, get where I come from, let me just plug this in real quick. No problem, no problem. Unions are great. I think that they're important. I think that they're necessary for our protection. I think that they're necessary to make sure that things move forward and progress for, you know, for the common good of all. Right. I understand that. But when I, if I say to my union as a black man, mm-hmm. listen to me, <laughs> hiring us, we're not being hired. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me it's going to happen. <laughs> like, don't, that's We, we need to do better. We'll, we'll, we'll do better. Don't <laughs> tell me it's going to happen. And, and the reason, and, and going back to like childhood stuff, the reason that I am critical and why I will continue to be is because, so my father um, was a police officer for 35 years. My father was, came, started um, being a police officer in the early, um, early 80s, mid 90s, whatever, you know, in that area in Houston. And so crack era. Yeah. And it was in Houston is listen, Texas is Texas. You know, (laughs) so and I love where I'm from. I will, you know, I'm H town down, but like they so they have a, a police officers union. They had a police officers union or whatever, and black officers were completely being mistreated. 
they would put like white officers were putting shit on the handles of their units. So when the black officers would come in at night, they would grab the door handle and it would be shit all on their hands. Wow. They were being passed over for promotions. They were not being, um, there was like a thing where they knew only one black person who would take the sergeant's exam or anything was going to get the job, even Mm -hmm. if it was 17 of them. Wow. So, and I say all this to say is that if I see a blind spot in my union, then I'm going to call it out because Mm -hmm. you cannot tell me that you're for everybody when the stats say not so. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? (laughs) Yes. So my father and seven, uh, six or seven other officers had to take on their own union so mm-hmm. that they could get the, the one, the respect, they can be treated fairly so mm-hmm. that they could be promoted. They had to actually take on the union that was supposed to protect them, but that union was not protecting them because the majority of the people in the union were white. Interesting. Well, see, that's a very fascinating story, and it's a great point. And it's the, and, and when you said about they say, hey, like hold on, like you will get hired. Like it, it, like it reminds me of that line that John Lewis was saying in like his seventies, and, and he was like, you know, we want progress now, like not tomorrow. We want it now. Yeah. The, the thing about the unions, the WGA, is that I heard something like that. Just just the other day, I sent a letter to the board um, <coughs> after they were saying, here's our response. And they sent some shit back about talking like, oh, well, you know, because I asked them, the WGA needs to do the writer's room. Like, show me your writer's room. So we know who's not hiring and, Black. And also, that is, and they make it, and I'm sorry for cutting you off, but just before I forget this, they make it sound like it's difficult. It's not. When a writer's room starts, they send a representative to the fucking room. They sure do. Y'all are sure sent, y'all send representatives to tell us the same thing that y'all told us in the other room that we just got a, got out exactly. of months ago. Right. So you mean that you can't bring those same people in the room and they have them a little iPad where they do 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 and that and those numbers go straight to the WGA. I mean, we literally walk. Last year at the at the WGA, we did that shit live. Yeah, it was done live right there in the moment. Gotcha. So don't. So if you're telling me it can't be done, I'm telling you you're not telling me the truth. Right, right, right. And and to me, they don't need to lie about that. And 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 to me, I, I mean, I, I remember the Marjorie David was like, "Well, we tr- we tried to do that and we couldn't get it going," and I was kind of like. Make it mandatory. Make mm-hmm. it mandatory. Because, yeah. you know, a point that I made before like in another episode was, you know, every show is like a 70 to $100 million corporation. Like its own corporation. That's the money right. spending. Right. Now, if I want to go online and fucking, you know, and, and, and check out some company, I can see who the board members are. I can see who the upper management is. I can see what race they are. And we can tell, okay, these people are black, these people are white. The fact that they want to hide it 
and 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 they have excuses about hiding it is where it's like you're not trying to help out you know like all right. the members and then He's not also, trying to do it and then also clumping every every non-white person as people of color is also unhelpful it's not helpful right because latinx people mm-hmm. they face different challenges from us mm-hmm. you know asian that so clumping us all together and saying well poc <laughs> went up two percent yep. well what what in the poc because what i want to know is what did latin writers get more jobs mm-hmm. because if you look at a lot of the the rooms for like selena or mm-hmm. or um on the, the the vita they had all rooms all latinx writers mm-hmm. So, of course, those numbers are going to go up for all POC because right. you have two rooms that now have probably 16 um, writers, you know, with Latin backgrounds. Yep. But that doesn't that. But that's two shows. Mm-hmm. But those numbers are used to show progression as a whole. Correct. It's pure bullshit. And mm-hmm. if anyone <laughs> thinks that I, and again, I. I've tried to simmer down my talking <laughs> back and forth because it, it in my in my feeling the the union thing and this is a, I and I'm I'm trying not to use this word but it just gets very clicky mm. and it gets very if you're not for the union then you're yep. against the union and da 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 and my father was a was a union man and my great grandfather was a union person. Well, my dad was in a union too, and he had to sue him. So now, what are you? Exactly. How what you gonna tell me? <laughs> wait, Kirk, hey, did Kirk. you just do the hand? Wait, Kirk, did Kirk do the hand clap? Now what? Now what? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Because it's like, yes, yes. It's like don't this don't you know throw my experience away because of yours. It's just like with all of these statues going down my father was a patriot my blah 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 was in the army he was in world war ii a whole bunch of black people were too and came back and were treated like shit Uh (laughs) yes what i'm saying so again i understand being pro-union i understand i understand the importance of unions but unions are supposed to protect the union not a specific part of the union. Hey, Kurt. My I was just going to say, I was going to say this. Sorry to interrupt you. I was going to say, I was telling Lisa and Chris this the other day. When we sent out that Dear Hollywood letter a few weeks ago, the only, we got a couple little lines of pushback from the board, right? One of them was when we brought up the stats of how many white guys are staffed over us. And they were like, well, your numbers aren't correct there. We're like, what are you talking about? We got that from the UCLA thing. We got it from, you know, we told them where we got it from. They're like, no, no, it's more like 13% or something like that. We're like, where do you get that number from? And they were like, oh, well, people of color. And we're like, no, bitch. We said black. <laughs> yeah, black. Capital, what, with a capital B. <laughs> they, and it, it's exactly what you were talking about, Kurt. Mm-hmm. Kurt, is we keep, they keep trying to clump us all together. It's just like being you, you and I gay. It's just like put, putting us for the LGBTQIA. Bitch, we're gay. You know, the ones of us are gay, and now we're all these things, which is fine because they got to go somewhere. 
You know what I mean? But it's the same thing. So they're equating us with all of them. And then and then and then it's also the idea that you and I, because we're black and gay, think the same. Right. 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 Well, that's crazy. But see, this is the thing interesting is 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 that I've heard white people say in closed spaces and stuff like that that they don't think black people can write. I know they're not saying that about Asian people because they think Asian people are because they're 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 fucking smart. So it it just points to the fact that if you show me if, if you show me that. You know, there's. I, I guarantee you, the number of Asian people who are working is a higher percentage. You know, based upon the blacks, what you know, and the Latinos, and I, I and just because of the way that white people like see Asian people, and which is fucked up. Well, I mean, listen, I just did that interview with the L.A. Times. Right. The, the majority, the majority of their staff is Asian. Mm. Almost their in their their entertainment staff, like. You know, I and and I got it. I not like a bat. I didn't get into a back and forth, but I did on Twitter. I questioned why are so many Asian journalists interviewing black writers about Queen Sugar or Queen and Slim, or you know why are the photograph? What is happening here? That you don't have a black writer, entertainment writer on staff because it's just not TV. It's all industries. That you don't even have a black writer on staff that can come and talk to Lena or Mm -hmm. that can talk to Ava or that can talk to these films and review them. You don't have that. That that's not to me acceptable Mm -hmm. in 2020 or in 2015. Or in 2000, as far as I'm concerned, right, <laughs> because right. like, we we're too old for this, and we're grown. And right. like well, they told you, those numbers aren't right, and you're looking like, dude, like I know how to read numbers. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> those numbers aren't right. Like mm-hmm. I know what I'm reading, and the numbers weren't right because they did not adhere to the weight that you were presenting the numbers. Right. And that's mm-hmm. what and that's what they don't like. Mm-hmm. And you know, people can say what they want, but listen, when the head of the WGA probably has never hired a black person, no. like I just I, I just what do you expect? Mm-hmm. When the majority of the leadership, when you look at the leadership who they are, and you can say run for the board and all of that. But the thing is, if you run for the board with a standing that is against the status quo, yep. then no you're way you're called out, you're a rat, you're a yep. scab, you're yep. this, you're that. So then people shut up and people stay quiet. But yep. it's easy to go and look on those people's IMDP pages, go look at the shows that they've run, mm-hmm. and then go down Wikipedia and go look through those names and yep. you won't see that and you will see that they have not hired a black person. So how can I entrust you to look out for me when you don't even hire people like me? Me, right. Exactly. The thing that like I wanted them to do that and, and uh, I mean it's just like I, I want like I want like Craig Mason and, and John August to do this too. It's like all these people, it's like if you're talking mm-hmm. about that you think black eyes matter and the black voices matter. I want you to come out like every week and say, here's a black writer that I read. 
Speak. Dope. Yes. You know, I've never done that. See, 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 you know, oh. because if, if you won't do that, then you don't know who to hire. And, you know, and, pe- and people in those positions, like their voice has got a lot of, uh, there's, there's a lot of weight to it. So if they say, right. someone says, hey, I just read Kirk Moore, you know, I, I said this is five years ago, you know, and it's, and it's someone like, you know, like, like John August, that can change your career. Yep. You know? Yes. Like literally I see you, like Jeff Howard mm-hmm. on Twitter has made a commitment yep. to read African American to read black writers and to share them who where he can. He's a very well connected person and he's doing his due diligence. Right. And and I would love more than just a couple of words that say black lives matter. As I've said many times, black lives have to matter outside of death. Right. <laughs> right. Right. You know, black yeah. lives have to matter outside of black death. So if black lives truly matter to you, then you wouldn't mind spending a couple of hours on Zoom or in a room with them or reading their scripts. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And or you wouldn't take a job that you know you're not qualified for that would prop that would probably be better served for a black showrunner, mm-hmm. but because the studio already has a relationship with you, they give you the job. And then you take it, and then here we are six months later, or five months later, they're still in development, and now they're bringing in a black writer to come in and um, and straighten that thing out. And yeah. I'm sure we all know shows yeah. that it's happened on. Well, for sure. When it sure. should have just went to that person in the first place. But right. part of that is about studios and networks knowing who we are. Right. They have to see us. It's very difficult, especially now with with people not having reps to be to get in front of these people. So for me, when people stop being stupid and we can go outside, <laughs> I want to be able to have more events because I know I've been so blessed in this business. Right, I'm so blessed. I'm so grateful. I've met people. I literally that I was, you know childhood like whoa you're so great and you have to know those people and those people have to know you because otherwise they're not going to know to call you when they have another show yeah and that's that's a really good thing and i think i think all of us our careers change as soon as we started asking our friends for what we needed you know i mean and that's one thing i love about you kurt there's many things i love about you but you are one of those people you find you find out about something you let people know hey there's a job here you know and 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 the thing that 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 they gave me probably the most respect for you was when you had your party when Chris and I talked about this driving home <clears throat> you had your party you invited your showrunner of your show to come and meet all these other writers you had no threat you weren't worried about losing yeah. my job because you find somebody else you are so comfortable in who yeah, you I, are. You feel me? That shit's deep. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't believe I don't believe in competition. Right. I don't. I've competed all my life in theater and all of that stuff. In this business, there is just enough room for everybody. There really is. And I I I you know, we all have our own weird insecurities about ourselves and our writing and whatnot. But I, but I feel like 
what job is for me. You know, the old saying, if it's for me, it's for me. And so for for me, I'm like, I want y'all to meet these people who hired me because they probably will hire you. And some of them got hired. You know, like I was shocked to see the freaking vice president of Marvel come in my backyard and sit down at the picnic table and just talk to and just talk to writers and ask about that because that those are the important things. Mm-hmm. Getting to know us on a human level. Mm-hmm. Not on is this script good? Not is oh, I don't know if this can be turned into a movie or a show okay. or not. Oh, no. Know the human. Know who are who are. That way you understand why we write the stuff we write, okay. why we say the things or object to certain things that we do in the room. Mm-hmm. Because Otherwise, I, I don't know how we continue to move forward. Mm-hmm. You can't move forward in a glass box. Sorry. You know, you you and you sitting there in a glass box, looking at all the shit burning, and you chilling, talking about things gonna be okay. Right. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's not how you make. That's that's not how progress is done. And so, like, I I never and, you know, especially last year, because I was really deep into the WGA stuff because I was very worried the moment that I heard that black writers were going to have to fire their agents. I was like, we barely get meetings already. And people were like, but it's going to be easier because it's going to be word of mouth and black people are going to be talking to people and blah, 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 blah. And here we are a year later. Hey Chris, is that Chuck G has the philosophy that we should never have left the black writers should never left their agents in the first place? Uh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. That's my like, theory, philosophy on it is, is is because that whole conflict of interest shit and 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 the packaging and shit like that. What's the main thing they're fighting over? There's a few things in the the span stuff, but the span like, is like span is important. I do understand. Listen. I understand packaging as a conflict of interest. Right. I understand span and how it needs to be protected. I need to be protected. But in my and again, and I'm not trying to like call anybody out or anything, but a lot of these things are kind of personal. They're mm-hmm. like I think that they can be set like if they're settled properly or whatever, it will be for the greater good. Right. But at the same time, like you wanting your thirty million dollars that you didn't get right. twenty years ago when you had and when you had a lawyer mm-hmm. and a manager and two eyes <laughs> and all of this stuff. Like my thing is, as a writer, what I will not do is play a victim. I have a part in my business. I right. have to know what's right. going on. Well, yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the writer, let me take that back, the, the creative who doesn't read his own contract, he's slitting his own throat. I mean, because it's like you have, you can't, there's things about negotiations that your lawyer might not know how to push for that mm-hmm. you should be asking for. You only know that if you read the contract and say, oh, I don't need this point actually, or this is less for me. Give it up so I can get this. But my thing about the conflict of interest is, it's like this, right? Like, 
that's not helping black people because black people don't get to sell shows. So the whole the whole thing with the packaging fees is not really affecting us. You because know, we're literally not. I mean, again, that article that was in L.A. Times was about us not running rooms. Yeah. Right. It's, it is so crazy how we start off almost even at the bottom level mm-hmm. or at the lower, I shouldn't say bottom, but at the lower levels. Right. We start almost even at the lower levels. And then when you get to the top, it's like we vanish. I mean, did all the black people die? Okay. <laughs> where, did, where, did these, where did these writers go? Where did the writers who were 46 or whatever percent when they were a staff writer, right. where did they go? Did they stop at co-producer and just said, you know what? Mm-hmm. No one's ever going to give me a show. Let me just be co-producer, go on <laughs> set, collect my check, and do what I got to do. That's right. possible. Were people discouraged? I'm totally sure yes, that has happened. For sure. Because after you get so many no's or no one's going to really watch this, and we are living in a niche television. Exactly. Exactly. Five million viewers is literally all you need now. I'm sorry, unless you're on CBS. Right. 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 It's like the idea that there are smashes, there are like two or three a year, if that. Like there's only a few oranges and new blacks Mm -hmm. or a few this is us is their empires mm-hmm. they come every other few years right the rest of the shows are, are middling shows who do average numbers they have a consistent audience base mm-hmm. and they and they thrive on that until they go away and mm-hmm. but it seems like we're often just told well this is too niche and it's like but what what, are, what, what do you think the people are doing <laughs> listen, 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 everything is so niche now. And not only is it niche, but you get immediate feedback on whether your shit is working or not. Yeah. Seconds. The moment it goes up, people are in. Like, for example, uh, Saturday we were watching a uh, uh, bunch of my geeky friends. You guys probably get, most of you know me know this. We do Saturday Night Sci Fi. Mm-hmm. And I haven't done it in a couple years because I just kind of just kind of dropped out of stuff. And dropped back in, and we were watching The Old Guard on Saturday because it just dropped on Friday. And it was a really fun life because for Saturday Night Sci Fi, we basically uh, we have a group of people that choose the film and then we live tweet together. And you know, we'll all press play seven o'clock, press the button, and then we live tweet. And it's fun because you're watching it, you joke about it. We were going through it like we were talking about plots, what was working, what was not working, what we enjoyed, what we didn't enjoy. Very specific things. That thing is number one right now on Netflix, trending. And it was, and it's immediate feedback. It's not like the old days, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, we have to wait for this report and all this. Like, no, bitch. And it's a very specific amount of people who are watching it. And it's so niche and so immediate that I think they've got to get out of this mindset, like you were saying, Kirk, and really understand how streaming and everything has changed. No, but see, but and they need they need to catch up with that. No, because you're offering because they do know that. I like. I remember oh, in 2014. They know. I agree. They know. No, they're not acting on it though. No, they're not no, 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 no. Well, no, they're, they're, they're still. The doing is they're putting up a shield because I remember in 2017 they were talking about. I remember Chris Kaiser was talking about how if they like if they greenlight a show, it is already in profits before it even airs. They fucking know. Mm. So mm. the question about 
what do they want to put on? Not right. is it gonna be profitable or not? They right. know because this shit on Netflix, on. The, the Netflix stuff, the streaming stuff, like whatever it is, they, it, it, they and and it's sold worldwide immediately. They make all their money ahead of time. It's just, it's just like, well, do I want to put that on the air or not? Mm-hmm. Well, right. I don't like that content because it's too foreign to me. It's too foreign to you. Why is it too foreign to you? Oh, 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 oh it's because there's too many black faces in it. That's why it's too foreign to you. And there's no one white there. Or, 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 or even, um, are you trying to say that the white faces aren't in control of the story? And is that why it's foreign to you? Oh, yeah. You know, hey, I mean, mm, if, if that's me, it, mm, you're missing money mm, and you're missing an audience that can find anything else like right. on your channel. Mm. Hey, Kurt, let me, let me go back to the, uh, the LA Times article again. Yeah. I was actually supposed to be in that too. Um, but we missed we missed our call. Oh. Anyway, she called me too late, and I was like, "Girl, I'm I'm in the room. I gotta I gotta do what I'm doing." Right. So anyway, um, where I was gonna go with that was um, it reminds me because you know myself, Michelle Amore, and Bianca Sams have been out on this kind of tour, if you will, since we put that article out, doing all these different interviews, right? And um, she talks about this, and I, I think you were you were you were getting into this a little bit. So here's the problem. Now you and I see this all the time, um, where you you'll you'll hear about a a job like for a mid level writer, for example, right? And you'll put it out. They're looking for a black female mid level writer on this show, right? Hey, you guys, you know, go find you know put your resumes in, whatever, right? So she brought up a really interesting problem, <clears throat> which is this. And you and I know this, Kirk. Most of our friends who aren't on, lo- on your level yet have been staff writer four to six times. <laughs> you know what I mean? So here's the problem that I have with it is if I've been staff writer four to six times or even four times, aren't I like, shouldn't I be able to go up for co-producer stuff by now? But I'm, the problem to them, oh, let me finish my thought. The yeah. problem to them is on paper, it still says staff writer, right? Yeah. But I'm like, I've been in the room for four seasons on different shows, right? I'm generalizing here. You know what I mean? I, by now, would have been at this position. The only thing keeping me back is my title because you guys are too cheap to pay me. Whereas the white guy gets the bump, you know, and gets to come right in on these co-producer credits and all this other stuff because they've been moved all the way up. Nothing, and you and I both know until you get to a certain level, not that much changes in the room of things that you have to really do. Right. Your pay goes up, but you're still pitching. You're still doing the same shit. Your office might be a little different. You know, I might have to split it with another staff writer if that's the way the room works. But, you know what I mean? So it's just funny how that works, that 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 you can't even submit to these things because you've been in a room for four seasons as a staff writer. And it's so crazy. And I like... You know, for me, I've been lucky enough to, I've been lucky enough to be, a, to produce since my very first episode. That's good. Um, you know, John was very clear about creating showrunners and mm-hmm. creating showrunners of color. Like, he's very, very passionate about it. He talks yeah. to me about it all the time. And so... I, you know, I got on set. I was nervous. I had to do a whole sit down with with Regina King and Felicity Huffman and mm-hmm. talking about the words. And you have to 
like you have to build up that the confidence to be able to do that because these are people that either you've known or seen all your life they're typically super wealthy and rich they have a certain type of thing that Every, you know, some are method actors, some get to set and wing it until they get it right. So you have to learn how to balance all those personalities, balance all those techniques. And I think the faster that we're able to get there to do that. And I do understand you don't want to fuck nothing up on set because time is money. But there are so many people on set. They're yeah, reps from the network, reps from the studio, producer. They're, you know what I'm saying? So, like, the idea that a staff writer can't just sit in and learn and see the way this works, mm-hmm. I just don't understand that. And I don't understand that based on myself, again, having left a psychic company and just going right into a room. Right. You know, And so I feel that if you give, if we are, if these opportunities, again, you go, you don't get that opportunity if you're a staff writer for three or four times. And then showrunners make you feel bad for wanting to be promoted. You know, well, it's the budget. It's this, it's that. Listen, I know showrunners who have fought for Writers' assistance to get scripts. Yep. So if show you can fight, you can fight. Yep. And and here's something, Chris and I always say: there's always money. There's, there's always, always money. fucking money. Don't Believe give an excuse about money yeah. ever. Money I, is I, never I, an I wish, excuse. I wish I could tell a story about there's always money that I can't tell. That's understood. But, mm-hmm. but let me tell you, it'll go, that, it'll go on. It'll go in your biography. <laughs> <laughs> There is always money, especially depending on who asking for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, so, to me, the, the, the I, to me, the, see, it, I think a lot of it has to go back to what you were saying before, Hilliard, is that if you're white and you come out of college and you get a shot to be a fucking, you know, you got 24, 25, whatever, like your your mid twenties, and you get a staff writing job, you might not know enough shit, and you're not confident confident enough in your life yet to handle a powerhouse like Regina King mm-hmm. and Felicity Huffman, like, you know, that young. And there's probably that thought in the, in everyone's head. Well, now you don't know what you're doing and, and we can't afford you to fuck up. But as black people, we've done so much shit that it's like, he's, he's managed people. So all you have to do is tap into that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, look, look, look exactly. I, I, I tell people, I, I was telling people the other day when I was talking with um some showrunners, I said, look, man, I've directed five award-winning short films. I've got 40 or 50 set days where I run everything on the set. Mm-hmm. I cast, I determine everything. I'm choosing the lenses. I'm determining how, like, if we're making a day, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing all that shit. And I'm monitoring and posting, doing all that. So if you bring me on your show, I can help you in ways that almost like no staff writer can. Right. You just, I mean, but 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 the thing is, but the thing is, I gotta present that in the meeting up you front because 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 if because they're not gonna ask me that, they're not right. gonna ask me if, if I've if I've done all this kind of shit, you know. And if they do, they might just read up my resume and say, yeah, what does that mean? But it's like I remember the second movie I did. You know, we were using squibs, had like sixty people, we had armorers <laughs> on set, did all this shit, you know, on the short film. 
I was like, that was a big learning curve for me. But it's like, you know, but I think that everyone doesn't know that about you. Like when you're coming in young and they think that you that you will fuck it up. And that's a mistake of not not getting to know the people that you hired, like, like beyond their script and beyond what you're asking them to do just in the room. Because, okay. you know, it's, it's like you said about Kirk. I mean, look, if you've managed, what, 400 people and shit like that, and, and, and I mean, and like the personalities that you're dealing with at the psychic network, that just the, the level of them is like working with actors and working mm-hmm. with the, the rest of the crew and all the other creative people where, it's, it, where, that, where that juggle is most of your day because mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's everyone else who's helping you with the rest of it, you know? The AD's there, the director's there to move things along. I mean, you, you just got to, like, you know, talk to people, you know? And if you can't, and if you can't talk to people, that's a whole other story. <laughs> you should be able to talk to people, you know? I, 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 I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 there's too much of a lie. And I think that people, I'm, I was talking with somebody the other day about this issue. So white guy, and he was like, well, you, you know what, what my suggestion is? Is that you stick with your guns. And if someone says, hey, can you come back? Hey, can you come back as staff writer? You say, no. You say, no, I'm not going to do that. You, like like, like yeah. you bump me or you don't want me. You know, now, yeah. now just to and- agree, that, that might be hard to say. And that and that's very hard to say when so there's a gazillion bills that we have to pay, and and you hope that you do it again, mm-hmm. that then you will be promoted. You know, I, I will always say I'm very fortunate, and it's the reason why, and it's part of the reason why I'm not competitive, Hillier. It's like mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, I, I come from a, a really loving family. Like they've never discouraged me. They know this is what I wanted to do, and they stood by me until it happened. And I just, I just, it has been such a life-changing experience for me mm-hmm. as a person, financially, mm-hmm. all that. Got that beautiful house. I see you. Got that pool out there. We be out there next time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Kirk, you took your ass off. Kirk, you took your ass off. Barbecue and shit. I see you. <laughs> so it's like I want to make. I want to be able. I want to see other people have those opportunities right, because right. we deserve them. And right, I right. read. And I read so many scripts, and I'm like. Damn, I don't know if my first script was this good. How come you ain't working? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then I'm trying to figure out who I can give that to or who I can talk to and and figure this out because it is it to me it's a damn shame that there's a lot of very to me, especially because I've read them, talented, you know, emerging writers right, who right. deserve a shot. And they can't get one because it's hard to get an assistant job. So hard. It's hard to get in a writer's room, period. And so, like, we have to find ways to make sure that we are in these rooms. And as a black dude, it is also very rare to be in the room with another black male writer. Mm -hmm. I've been in rooms with multiple black female writers. Mm -hmm. 
it is very rare that I see two black men in the room when the black man ain't the showrunner. Right. Mm-hmm. That's just facts. That's, that's facts. deep. That's deep. Yeah. That's and, and 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 that's a problem. And 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 I and I and I talked about this on Twitter because a showrunner had made the comment that you know he staffed his room based on diversity of thought, and he only he had thirteen writers and only one of them was black. Mm-hmm. Or, and I'm thinking to myself, so I don't I don't believe he meant this. But what people who say this needs to understand the way black ears hear that. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is I want diversity of thought. So I hired 11 white people because (laughs) because they thought. Right. Because they're all because they're they're diverse. You know, one was was in the army. One was a lawyer. One worked at whatever. Female. Yeah. All of that. But when but so why can't we why don't we see that with black men? Agreed. What 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 about you makes you think that we all think the same? Exactly. What is it that you see or don't know that says, well, if I have three black men in the room, they going to pitch me the same shit. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. it's fucked up because like honestly if you're black and you were from say texas from new york and from california your perspectives are so fucking different so, so, different. so, fucking so, different. Different. so different we have similar experiences yeah. as black people yes but we are completely different I mean, that's just like like we talked, like I said with me and Hilliard, mm-hmm. gay, black, bald head. We ain't the same. Pretty, pretty as fuck. You forgot that. You know? <laughs> beard and no beard. Beard no beard. You know? And, but we're not going to bring the same thing to a room. And I want people to understand that. Right. Just because the check boxes are the same right. don't mean that the mind is the same. Right, yeah, right. you check gay, you check black, you check millet, you checked all these. So it's like, well, why do we need these two people who have the exact same check, sex, same check boxes? You right, need right. them because you don't know that they're because their experiences are not the same. What if he came from an abusive household? I, my dad was a cop. My parents had me when they were 16 and 17 years old. <laughs> I have a completely different experience about the way that I was raised because I was raised by teenagers and my grandparents. Andrew, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So the, but, the, but when I hear the idea, when I hear people say diversity of thought, I instantly am annoyed because I don't think they think this, mm-hmm. but the idea is that, well, I can see all of these people who look the same, white, blonde hair, blue eyes, whatever. And but for some reason, you can see the diversity of thought in them. But you can't see the diversity of thought between me, Hilliard and Chris. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. You know what I'm saying? And so I and I am just over only one black male writer being in the room. And I'm right. and I'm not and I'm and I'm speaking specifically for mm-hmm. black male writers because I know what I see, because right. I know what I hear. 
because I know what those rooms look like. And I know the majority of the people that we talk to mm-hmm. on our board, I get, we know that they're typically the only black male in the room unless that showrunner is black. Right. Here's a, here's right. a question I have for you. Right. I, know, I know Chris, myself, and Lisa have talked about this before. I've always kind of had a problem with the board in the sense that everybody on the board pretty much are people who all make over $300,000 a year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Pretty well, much. I, well, most people on the board, I mean, half of them are millionaires. Then, you, know, you know, that's my, I'm just doing it. So because now they started bringing in a couple mid-level people who were mid-level when they came on, but now they're, they moved up a lot. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yes. Right, so, right. And because they don't really, truly all, minus, you know, Zoe and one or two other people, Liz, you know, who speak to Zoe. the rest of you. Who speak to who speak to us because they were just that a year or so ago. So they still are they still feel it. They haven't been living like some of our other members who've been wealthy for years. You know what I mean? And been privileged for years. And and also sometimes come from that old school way of thinking. Um, and I always kind of had a problem with the fact that all of them are these super wealthy people who who don't see the things that we see when it comes time for the NBA. Because they only affect, which is why we had to leave our agents, because it affected them. You know yeah. what I mean? Yes. It, yeah. We would have never asked to leave our agents because it doesn't affect us. Listen, I would have never left my agent. My, right. I, I see people talk about all the time when, you know, my agent didn't work for me. He didn't do shit for me. But I feel like part of that is your fault. A lot like, of it's your fault. Like, because here's the thing, you know, city girls say, I don't got a job, bitch. I am a job. <laughs> I don't That's work a t-shirt. A job. That's a t-shirt. I like that. <laughs> I don't work a job, bitch. I am a job. And we are a job. <laughs> we are a job within ourselves. Yes. So we have to advocate for ourselves. When my former agents, I felt that they were not doing what they were supposed to do. Do you know what we did? Had a whole conference at, at CAA. Mm-hmm. Because I am going to speak up for myself. Right. I'm not, you know, my dad has always sort of told me and implanted in me that if what you have to say is just, you don't worry about the consequences. I totally agree with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not out here trying to do stuff for myself. Yes, I want to eat. And as y'all can see on my IG stories, I eat. I, <laughs> I want other people to eat. Because it's only fair. And and I feel like, you know, you know, people like, well, my agents didn't do this. They never did anything for me for 15 years. Why did you stay with them? They didn't work for you for 15 years and you stayed there. That is not the agent's fault. That is your fault. There were 5,100 million agents. You can leave at any second, but you stayed there and let them take it. And again, I know there are multiple sides to this, and it's a it, it's an entanglement. So <laughs> you, you so know, messy. you so messy. I, <laughs> you so messy. You know, I know there are multiple sides to this, but one side I do know is I see a lot of writers complaining about things that were not done for them but they didn't advocate for themselves. Mm -hmm. And you have to advocate for yourself. And that's Mm -hmm. with your manager, that's Mm -hmm. with your your agent, 
that's with your lawyer. I try to really stay in contact. They know how I feel emotionally. They know when my health isn't good. Mm -hmm. I am very much in contact with them. And also about the types of things that I want to work on. And they mm -hmm. respect that. And that's what they do for me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, it, I, I'm, I'm of the healer feeling as well is that this is a rich people fight. But it's a rich people fight that could collectively help the whole. Right. But right. actually need to focus on the whole. Mm -hmm. You can't say... Well, if these seven people get what they want, then everything is going to be fixed. Mm -hmm. That's just not the way it works. That's just not the way life works, nor business. Mm -hmm. And also, we ha if we're going to say that the guild is about being progressive and the guild is about inclusion, then the it has to reflect that. And right, right, right. Listen, they did that um, WGA um, writers access thing last year, and they showed all the winners. They were that was that was nobody black. I think one black girl. Mm. It was like nineteen people, mm. and it was a diversity and inclusion thing. And it's like, well, he was a bird hunter, so he diverse mm. hunted birds. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. He hunted birds. He hunted birds. <laughs> But I'm, and I'm exaggerating, but I'm like, I understand expanding diversity because or expanding. I try not to say diversity too much, but expanding inclusive and inclusive um, inclusiveness. But at the same time, if this is supposed to be something dedicated to writers who are at a deficit or who are working at a deficit, um, namely writers of color, then how am I literally not seeing any? Right. I want right. guild, which is what my criticisms came from last year. And, you know, I, I, I will always try to be respectful because this is not like, this ain't a fist fight for me. Right. For me, this is your experience is not my experience. And you have to understand that. And your love of the guild because your father was in the guild or because your grandfather was a union member is different from a black person who's had to deal with the union when a, when the union that was supposed to protect the whole decided to protect the majority and exclude the black and the people of color who are also in that very guild. And that could be whether it's police officers, that can be whether it's at grocery stores, it can be anywhere. But mm -hmm. generally, that's what happens. And if you look at that WGA sheet, if you look at those numbers, that's what's happening. You're right. not going to argue with me about numbers. The numbers are right there, and y'all came up with them. Right, right. You know? That's crazy. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. That's wow. crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, the, the thing about... The, the Wait, where did Hilliard where where go? He's off for some reason. Oh, oh, he's saying his, his internet just cut off. That's what he just uh, said. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Jump back I'm, in. Still, okay. I'm still recording. No, but see, here's the thing, right? I mean, people, it, it, it seems to keep me. A, keep, a, keep going, Chris. Um, I'm going to grab a soda real quick and I'm going to close the door. <laughs> there, no, there's, a, there's a, uh, a Navy ship not too far from here that caught on fire here in San Diego. So it's on fire right now. So all the smoke right. is coming through 
one of the Navy ships down here at 32nd Street in San Diego is on fire, one of the battleships. So the smoke is coming through um, the neighborhood the right now. Yeah, yeah okay. so I'm going okay. to close that. Keep talking, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, see, but see, I, I, I think the issue, I think the issue with, with the white people on the Guild is that they are so caught up in their own situation and their own insecurities and their own problems that they're not thinking of, they're not thinking beyond themselves. And I feel like you have to think beyond yourself if you want to see change happen, yeah. you know? Um, and, you know, and, 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 and but I also think there's a, there's just a level of indifference that white people have when it comes to, 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 to black writers, like in specific, specifically, because there's challenges that we that we suffer from and face that have to do with society outside of just you know the, the whole thing with you know like the being a writer and when you come into the writers room. Hey, I'm back. You know, like there's there's other stuff you have to deal with. You know, there's less money. You know, because I always hear that that they you know that when you're black you you're always being offered less money. I mean, you can't get less than the minimums, but you know, but you know, but. You know, but the but the but the the producer fees are less and things like that, or you know, or or at the same time they're just or or they're just giving you the minimum. Well, where someone white is can get you know like some bump above the minimum, and there's all those issues that we deal with that I think that they that they turn a blind eye to. Well, if they hear it coming from us, that then they're probably going, "I'm lucky I'm not black," you know. Uh, because that's how they, I mean, it's, it's just that they're indifferent and they shouldn't be indifferent because part of us going to make you like a great writer, a great creative is how much compassion you have for your fellow person and how much and the empathy you have could be, because if you, if your empathy is so self-centered, then there's, there's just, a, there's, there's only so far that you'll get. And it's like that, you know, and, and there's only so much richness that can be like in your material if you can't be that compassionate to people who are, who are outside of your circle. Right. Now, 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 Kirk, to bring it, bring it to you again, what I appreciate about you and what you've been saying is I like the idea that you're saying that it's not a competition for you. It's more like, you know, bringing as many people, talent people in with you as possible. Um, I, you know, I don't know. Like, how do you as we're all dealing with the pandemic and as you're like, you know, pitching, still writing and stuff, like, how do you keep, how do you keep your spirits up? How do you keep yourself motivated to like, you know, keep that energy? Cause a lot of times I see you tweeting stuff on Twitter and just very positive, very, you know, uplifting and just very, you know, it's like, it's kind of like the old, that old, you know, African saying, you know, lift everybody up, bring them with you. You know, as all boats rise, you're trying to bring everybody up with you. <laughs> like, how do you, how do you keep yourself, you know, motivated to keep that going when so much is happening? So I'll say one. I'm, I, t I talk about my dad all the time. He just is an inspiration for me. Um, so when I was growing up, like my dad, um, he would do um, they the police department would set up um, baseball, I mean, baseball and basketball leagues for um like like the kids like in in fifth ward and mm. kelly courts and stuff like that and so and a lot of i'm an only child so a lot of those kids would come to my house they would stay there with me 
I would get to know them as friends and family. Um, you know, some of the, them, their parents didn't have homes. Mm-hmm. And so my dad would let them come and they would stay with us. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, I, I don't see the competition thing because I see what we can do if we work together and mm-hmm. if we really help each other out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have, like, I don't believe in haters. Like, I don't, I was tweeting about this the other day. I said, if a dude go on a date with me <laughs> and, mention, and mention a hater, I'm, we, we done. <laughs> it's useless some bullshit. Like, it's, you, you probably ain't got no haters. Somebody probably just hates you. <laughs> hey, can you guys hear me? Can you guys hear me now? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Kirk, it's funny. Sorry, sorry, I got jumped off. My internet just stopped. Anyway, um, I was just listening to you talk about your dad, and your, we have different upbringings, but yet they're similar. Like, I grew up in the neighborhood that was the movie Dangerous Minds, <laughs> you know, right. in one of the worst neighborhoods in the world. And um, I was the only kid who I knew. I was just telling my parents this the other day. I'm the only kid who I knew who had his mom and dad. And my dad sounds like very much like you and my mom, where my family, like Christmas time, well, not Christmas, um, Thanksgiving or any other big, big, big holidays, everybody was at my house. Exactly. You know what I mean? And, and my mom and dad are still, people call them mom and dad. So to this day, like if I ever, if I ever meet somebody who's older than me and they're a woman, I say, hey, mama, even if I don't know them, it's, it's respect. Right. You know what right. I mean? And I, if, it's, if it's a guy, I'll call him pop. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. who, who we are. But it reminds me of that similar upbringing in the sense that my dad, like I've never heard him curse before. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've never seen him drink. My dad doesn't say bad curse words. Like he won't go above like ass. <laughs> <laughs> like he won't go above. Like, <laughs> he does not. And my dad doesn't drink brown soda because he says it's too close to beer. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. so use that one. Use that brown soda. <laughs> but but Lisa, to get back to what um you were saying just about like keeping myself motivated. I mean, for me, I'm very much a finish line type of person. Mm. Just call that my track life. Like I tend to see the finish line uh, and my my job is to get there. Like, mm-hmm. and, and that is what I do. So whatever I'm working on, I'm like, I'm going to finish it. Even if I don't like it afterwards, I just, I, it's very difficult for me to sit something incomplete in my life. Totally relate to that. It's just, <laughs> just me as a person. So it's very difficult for me to be like, Oh, I'll come back to this in six months. <laughs> six months. <laughs> no. I got face, no idea in six your, months. Your I got face do right things. now. Your <laughs> face right now, Kurt. The thing that hurts people all the time, I think, is that they don't finish. And, yeah. and it's, a, it's a great thing you said about, like, even if I don't like it, I don't abandon it, I finish it. Because mm-hmm. there's something to learn. There's there's things to learn about because you because you like the idea at first because otherwise you want to start writing do it you, exactly you know but at a certain point you might be like oh this is too much or blah 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 
So you, you can't abandon it. You just got to, I mean, just stop, get to the end, close it and say, this is a chapter that I'm not going to revisit. And unfortunately, a lot of young writers don't want to rewrite. Oh, God, no. And, and so that's also an issue. So, like, it's like, oh, I'm done. Nah, you, you, that's, that's the right, you, you finished the writer's draft. Exactly. You know, you finished the writer's draft. And you know in TV, you got the writer's draft, the room draft, the showrunner's draft, the studio. So, like, and I, I tell this to a lot of emerging writers, like, get used to rewriting. Yeah, it's yeah. just a part of the job. Sometimes the notes are going to be so dumb and you're going to want to smash your head through a roof. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And sometimes you'll be like, oh, well, this is what they meant underneath the note. Exactly. Let me figure out how to fix that. That makes you a stronger and you, writer. And you get excited about writing it. Exactly. Yeah, it yeah. makes you a stronger writer and it makes you a better collaborator. Exactly. So part of for me is I'm I'm just sort of a driven person probably to a bad extent in a way, which is why I don't have a voice. Um, <laughs> I, I give myself arbitrary deadlines, even though they don't matter Oh yeah, uh, to finish stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to finish a pilot in five days wow. because wow. I started a job the next week. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, if I get the pilot out the way and at least I have a very bad rough draft, I won't have that sitting on my neck. Right, right. While I'm starting a new room and having to read new stuff and writing a feature, like so, I try to. Sometimes I can compound everything, mm-hmm. and then I smoke eight blunts, and then I'm gone. And you're good, you're straight, and then you're straight. <laughs> that's hey. that's why his voice hey. is fucked up. He didn't want to tell you that part. Hey, hey, hey! I was smoke eight blunts. Hey. All right, hey. Hey, it is what it is. It is what it is. So yeah. before before we close out, Kirk, I just want to ask you one more thing. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times when you're pitching shows and things get picked up, I always feel like certain shows come because their time has arrived and it's time for that story to, to, to be told. And I'm excited about Free Will because, one, it has stuff that I'm interested in, which is, of course, New Orleans. Anything down south I'm always interested in. Um, you need Lisa the, in your room when you get picked I, up, by the, the way. The, listen, the <laughs> idea where, of, of where, are from? where are you from? I'm from San Diego. Oh, you're from, okay, you're from Okay. All her peoples is from there. All my people's from like Mississippi, Yazoo, Mississippi, old school from like New Orleans and Texas too, Dallas, Fort Worth. You know how it is, the black migration, we spread everywhere. Chicago, East Coast, yeah. And, um, but what do you think made the higher ups decide that, yes, we want to do this particular story. We want the story to come to fruition. What do you think it was about it that was speaking to something, maybe the time that's happening? Mm-hmm. What do you think it was that really compelled them to be like, yeah, this is the one that needs to be told right now? Before, before you answer that, before you answer that, can you talk about how you did the pitch? Because I remember you talked about it at some point. Oh, yeah, about, yeah. I know, at least I know there was one pitch you did recently where you had to do it on, on yeah, Zoom. Yeah. And you had so to do all that. I, so I did free will. I pitched on Zoom. Right. Um, my roommate is a photographer, so he had turned my room into a studio. Like I had house <laughs> lights, I had chairs, I had everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, typically, I feel that I'm better in like in a room and in person. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
So I was really weary about being on Zoom trying to sell this project. But at the same time, it's like, well, if you the work is done, so you got to go do the work. Mm -hmm. So there were a couple of like tricks and stuff that I did for an example. Um, If you put your thing like this, Mm -hmm. I look like I'm standing over you. I look like I'm hoovering over you. Right. When I'm talking and I'm telling my story and doing all of this, and even if I'm reading, like my, I'm, I'm here. I'm in. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> good one. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Give us some more. Give us some more. Yeah, that's so, good. Like that was one of the things that I did because it kind of changed the and it made the environment feel different as opposed to me just mm-hmm. sitting like this with my papers in front of me and doing like this. Mm-hmm. They can't see anything. All they see is me and right. my big, my hands going everywhere and, and my big old mouth. <laughs> I also, um, when I initially was going to pitch, I was going to pass out my business, my old business cards, oh, right. California psychics to people in the room mm-hmm. as I talked. So I couldn't do that. <laughs> that's smart, though. I could, ooh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. But my roommate still works there. Um, oh. <laughs> so he got me a mug, a California Psychics mug. So you do your intro mm-hmm. and then I say I said something like, you know, I slept, I slept on the sofa for six months and then I finally got a job at California Psychics. And then I get my mug. I'm in a place. <laughs> so... It's just trying selling it. to find, it. mm-hmm. so it's trying to find ways to make it engaging. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's um, theater. It's theater. It really, really is like the theater kid in me. Mm-hmm. The theater, like all of that experience, really does help me in a pitch because right, right. I put dialogue in there. Mm-hmm. I change voices from mm-hmm. male to female to whatever I. I like to have a good time. Right. I mean, it's 25 minutes or so. So you want to make sure, and I've seen different showrunners pitch over the years. Mm-hmm. You know, John Ridley is like a, like listening to one of the best professors that you've ever had. Mm-hmm. It's just clean. Mm-hmm. It's still, it's personal, but it's very polished. And you just are like, wow. Mm. Smart. I get. <laughs> I get why you sold this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And whereas Josh and Stephanie mm-hmm. on on Runaways, Josh and Stephanie, they're they're probably closer to me. Very big, mm-hmm. very in your face, pop culture references. You know all of that stuff. So it really is just sort of like I've been able to watch now. What like four or five showrunners pitch mm-hmm. and all of them pitch differently. Right. They all have their things that I think that help them stand out. So for free will, a couple of things I think really stood out and, and because of COVID, um, they networks, I was at least, I was told mm-hmm. were looking for something that had a spiritual bent okay. or that had, some heart, but not like what we've already seen before. Mm-hmm. And they wanted something that dealt with spirituality in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, 
I've seen shows about psychics, and it's usually always they're always crooks, right, or dark or something. Right, right, right. So now I won't I won't say my show is light because <laughs> not you. <laughs> I will say it's light. Sounds set in New Orleans, light. Mm. <laughs> but it's fun. Mm-hmm. And it gives you, it shows you all the different types of people who go to see psychics, mm-hmm. whether they're rich, whether they live in a ninth ward, and they ask should not be spending four dollars a minute. <laughs> okay, to talk to a psychic, but they have something in them that they need answered. That they need. Mm-hmm. There's a gnawing, whether it's a spiritual question, whether it's emotional, they have that. So. Um, my old job, the, I think the motto was, we bring you hope. And I think that that is important. And the reason why I said the other thing I said, my show is a cross between hope and manipulation. You can see how someone who has sort of an intimate knowledge of you can totally manipulate you. Oh, yeah. And that doesn't mean that they're not a, that doesn't mean that they're not psychic or they don't have an intuitive ability. That means that it's the way that they use it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, so for me, what I thought was um, sort of different and I'll, I'll try to be as vague as I can, is that there are all different types of psychics. There are phone psychics, mm-hmm. there are storefront psychics. They're reality show psychics. They're all different types. So what I called my show, I called my family the Jackson family of psychics. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm digging this, Kirk. It's good. Okay. Okay. And so they each have they the family has built this umbrella. But they ain't all under the same umbrella. Okay. <laughs> so it gives okay. you different types of um, point of views about this. They even have different point of views about what they do, about actually charging people for this. So there's. So I think for me, um, and or not for me, what what incited me about it initially, I should say, is that I was like, oh, I don't have to show crooks. Yes, there are crooks or there are scammers, but I can really show this in a grounded, maybe a little bit hyper realistic sure. in way in world. Mm-hmm. But um, but I think that because it wasn't just a, sh- a show about a family of crooks who are trying to screw people over, it's a show about a family who's trying to get over something that's hugely traumatic to them and in the midst of this still having to live their everyday lives as psychics and like i said in my pitch and i'll probably say this over and over again it's about a family whose job is to communicate with people that cannot communicate with each other mm. it's that's about a family mm-hmm. who's supposed to be able to see further than themselves but are stuck the hell that's going on in their family. So it's almost like they can help everybody else, but they can't help themselves. themselves. Or they can help other people, but they can't, or or they, or they can help other people, 
but they choose not to help themselves mm-hmm. out of personal gain. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they see that. And so a lot of times these um, clients that they will meet throughout the series will be either challenges or reflections of who they are. Right. And we see how they deal with that. So I think, um, well, I should say Fox, I think that they responded to that. It was one, it was a lively show. It wasn't like super dark. Mm-hmm. Um, the characters are definitely not psychics that we've seen on like television before, like okay. scripted TV, I should say. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and I think that it leaped, they were they were they really love the setting of New Orleans. My family is from is from Brobridge and Church Point and Shreveport in Louisiana. So all like really small towns, um, like marshland. And so it's it's just a world and a and a culture and an environment that I know mm-hmm. that I love that. I can really speak to. And then also with the psychic thing, there's just not many writers that are going to come into a room and say, hey, I have a psychic show and I used to work at one. (laughs) 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 So I think that gives you a little bit of like, oh, you can be an authority. You're an authority on this because Mm -hmm. you have the, the stuff about the family and all that, but you have a specific thing that you're focusing on a specific world and you're not and and I'm trying to show the different variations of that world and how that actually causes conflict within the family. Right, right. Nice. So, did 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 he answer your question? Did I skip over your whole question you had initially, Lisa? No, no, he answered everything. We answered, okay. He answered it. No, I was, yeah, yeah, he answered everything. That was right. awesome. That was, that was thank you. Dude, like I said, man. We're so proud of you, dude. You out there killing it right now. Please, mm-hmm. don't, please don't ever change who you are. Yeah, you're a bad motherfucker, dude. You're a bad mm-hmm. motherfucker. You know, I really, I really only get better, dude. Only get better. <laughs> That's your only That's change. That's the goal. Yeah. That's your only change. Like, yeah. Only better. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I really yeah. appreciate y'all talking to me through my hoarse voice. Um, this was really, really great. Um. I wish we could have did it in person at the office, but you know, I know one day we'll fun. do it when it's, it's, it's over. Fun. When the show comes out, and God's will, when this is all done and the Rona's gone, we'll yeah. have you over to the office and we'll talk yeah. about the actual show. Okay. Yeah. And hopefully by then I can talk to y'all about a couple other things. So yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Awesome. Yes. That's yes, yes thank yes. you, Kirk. Yes. Hey, Kirk. Uh, can people follow you? Where you at? So Twitter, I'm at Kirkwright79. Instagram, Kirk Wright 79. <laughs> Facebook, I'm just Kirk Mo- Kirk A. Moore. Is that the year you was born, 79? 79, yeah. yeah you, with your young self. Look at you. Ooh, that was that was Michael Jackson's <laughs> that, was, wall days. that was a good Ooh. year, wasn't it? That was roller skates. That was roller skates. <laughs> Everybody was constantly <laughs> fighting. Uh, uh. Yes. Hey. Oh, yeah. Seven, but it was funny. You know, it's funny. There was a shirt I saw. That said, um, surely not, surely not, everyone was kung fu fighting. Yes. <laughs> 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 Where are you at, Chris? I am at unauthorized CBD on Twitter and Instagram. 
Uh, Lisa, Lisa, call Jam. I'm at What Fresh Hell Is This on Twitter and also What Fresh Hell Is This Lisa on IG. Even though I never post anything on IG, you know, I like looking at people. I like looking at the other people's stuff. Right. See, I'm not big. I'm not really big on IG. Yeah. I, I just really go on there just to post food and my dogs. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and your your beautiful backyard you keep adding to. You, <laughs> you know, know what? Because we can't go anywhere, so I really do have to turn this into yes. my little your sanctuary. Paradise. Yes, your little sanctuary. Yeah, yeah. sure, for sure. So as soon as we can have people up, but we coming up, we going swimming, Jack. We going up. Um, <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> um, and I am your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Hilliard Guest. <clears throat> you can follow the show, Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Any questions, ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, whatever you listen to. We're everywhere. Follow the show. Subscribe and all that shit. And what else, Chris? Uh, and please go to our website that is screenwritersrr.com where you can get links to uh, to this to our Patreon page to diverse representation and there's like you know like there's uh, there's t-shirts on there which people are buying and getting which I appreciate um, Felicia Henderson uh, p- picked up one yes. um, and, uh, and and there's some others that are going out to Lisa and to Linnell um, yeah. and yeah uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's, there's. Actually, there's, I got one for Felicia too. So that that was. Mm, cool. mm. okay, we got to get one for Kirk too. We got. Yeah, we we'll get one for Kirk. We we'll get one for Kirk. Yeah. Um, and, and la- yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah. before I forget. Last but not least, shout out to Dina Prince Bythewood for having the uh, number one show on Netflix. If you guys I, haven't had a chance to see the old guard, check it out. It's really entertaining. I'll watch it tonight. I'm watch I'm, it. I'm, it's, I'm, it's, I'm, it's really, it's I'm, really, really entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> That's what's up. Thank y'all. Y'all have a okay. really great weekend. You Thank too. You I'm about, to jump, I'm about to jump in another call, so you oh. know how it is. You yeah. know how we're, it is. We're about to get into the into the room right now. Yeah. On Sunday. We got shit to do. But anyway, Kirk, we'll have you we'll have y'all. you back on again. We'll have you back on again. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. I'll be ready. Cool. All righty. Peace. All right. All right, everybody. Ciao, ciao. Oh, last thing. What? Keep it real. Keep it motivated. Oh. Keep it what? Keep what? It, it is, is what it is. It is. It is. Wow. Let me say what I feel, and I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the red Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerds got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the red room. Red room, red room.